As you look at the trends in missions today, most of the literature and publications that are coming out are really focusing on what is commonly described as contextualization. Now contextualization can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but largely in the printed materials as well as the methods that are employed by evangelicals and reformed alike around the world are unfortunately largely shaped by cultural anthropology, by sociological studies, and what is driving so much of the mission's efforts and mission's philosophy of today are, are really matters focused in trusting on those research components to lead to successful missions. And the belief, frankly, is the way in which we're going to effectively minister in this day and age is by better understanding the context. Now, on one level, that's absolutely true. But if you really think about contextualization, there is a grander context for contextualization. In fact, what we try to teach here at Westminster is really to focus you on the grand context not only in terms of redemptive history as it centers on the lordship of Jesus Christ, but even behind that redemptive history in the substructure of the gospel, if you will, in the very eternal nature of God as creator and that the entire creator-creature distinction and the reflection of God in the imago Dei, in the image of God in man and its implications for culture must be first and foremost for us in terms of contextualization of ministry. Now, bring to bear upon that the whole notion of the fall that we see in Genesis 3, that even the, the glorious and splendorous revelation of God and its finite derivative revelation in the character and formation of man has now been corrupted by sin. So culture is not an amoral entity. It is not something that is somehow to be studied outside the lenses of scripture. But we must first understand that God is the supreme context for all contextualization. And his revelation in Jesus Christ in view of the fall of man and the corruption of humanity for generation upon generation is what has really been behind the formation of culture. How do we then do proper biblical contextualization? Well, the only way in which we will truly understand man and his context is by seeing it through the lens of scripture. So what you will do when you study at Westminster is you will get an understanding of biblical revelation as a whole, that it is God's revelation, it is God's word, and it is God's word that will and must shape your whole notion of interpretation of culture. Your whole method of missiology has got to be shaped by biblical revelation as it centers in the person of Jesus Christ. In the last month or two, a brand new book by Fritz Kling has come out called The Meeting of the Waters. It's actually a fascinating read. And this particular book is arguing for seven different trends that will shape the church for the 21st century and beyond. Now, on one level, this book is extremely valuable because it helps us to discern patterns and trends that are shaping cultures all around the world. But if we limit our 
research and its implications to sociological or cultural study and do not view those cultures and view those peoples through the lenses of scripture, we will end up with a myopic and anemic missiology. And what we are committed to at Westminster is a rigorous, penetrating biblical theology and systematic theology that will help you and indeed will put you on a trajectory of successful missions. My family and I served in Eastern Europe, in Bulgaria in particular, doing uh, theological education in that part of the world. And one of the most striking things to me about working in that part of the world was though these people come from a vastly different perspective, a vastly different cultural identity, and they think so radically different than we do in the West, serving in Central Asia, serving in Central and Eastern Europe, you discover that the proper lenses for effective ministry is really a rigorous biblical and systematic theology. Careful hermeneutics that are centered on the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the incarnate and now resurrected King. And because all authority is invested in Him, as Matthew tells us at the end of his Gospel, the Lordship of Christ must not merely be a conceptual idea that we try to lead people to in some sort of creative, uh, missiological approach that relies upon cultural anthropology, but instead we must recognize that His authority is not only about the message of our mission, but the method of it as well. I think it is quite striking to compare the 21st century to the first century. If you think about the contexts of the church, the early church under the ministry of the apostles, they found themselves in a culture that was syncretistic, it was pluralistic, it was polytheistic. All of those matters converged to create a uh, frankly, a, a very disturbing missiological context if we implement the types of techniques that are trying to be implemented today. Um, if I could word it this way, I think what we find in the 21st century today is virtually identical in a way to the first century that is perhaps unprecedented in 2,000 years. What Paul faced with all that pluralism and syncretism is what we're facing today. And it is interesting that he did not address that with some sort of pragmatic or um, woefully inadequate contextualization by studying culture. While he did that, we see evidence of him addressing things in a culturally relevant way. What transcended all of that was the greater context, the context of divine revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. So it was not a matter of carefully uh, planned and humanly dependent missiological method, but it was a method that was actually rooted in a trust in the revelation of God in Jesus Christ as sufficient to address the pluralism and syncretism of the day. What I believe we need to do now in the 21st century is with perhaps even greater rigor consider the way in which Paul viewed divine revelation, the word of God as he put it to the first Thessalonian, in, in 1 Thessalonians, that they received the word not as the word of men but as the word of God, as what it really is. And that is what produced the fruit and the change. 
So Paul didn't trust in his own humanly devised method for addressing the syncretism and pluralism, and if you will, in the 21st century, the postmodernism. But he would and did in his context, and we ought today emulate that in trusting in the revelation of God. As I believe Charles Spurgeon put it about the word of God, the word of God is a lion. Let it out of its cage, and it will defend itself. Indeed, the word of God preached, the word of God believed, and the exaltation of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords must shape our missiology. It is the context for contextualization. One of the most disturbing and concerning trends and missions that I see today is really related to the whole notion of a an underdeveloped, frankly, contextualization. And what the whole cultural, anthropological, and sociological grids, when they are the foundation for missiology, it is inevitable that they will produce a very shallow missiology. And the way in which that manifests itself is multifold, but perhaps one of the greatest concerns that I have seen is the emphasis in pragmatism that dominates much of missions around the world today. And the idea is simply that all we need to do is give people particular, particular tools, just basic tools, how-to sorts of tools, how to preach, how to speak, how to lead. And part of the trend is, is capitalizing on people who are just natural leaders they have charismatic personalities, and if you just give them the basic foundational education, it is argued, an education that will just simply give them tools and methods for ministry, you will have a successful growth, successful evangelism, successful missions, and the growth of the church. Frankly, what that sort of approach produces is actually an extremely shallow and ultimately compromised church if there is a church to grow from it at all. Because at the core of our ministry, while even here at Westminster we are committed to giving tools for ministry, the tools that we <clears throat> believe in here are tools that are actually grounded in an understanding of God's Word as revelation. And when we understand God's Word as revelation, it will lead us not to some sort of shallow, shallow toolbox, but a full toolbox, a toolbox that will give us an understanding of who God is, an understanding of what he has done through Christ, and the implications of that for the growth and expansion of the church by the movement of the Holy Spirit. And as we think about these matters, the tools that you will get here at Westminster will actually be tools that will shape your mind, shape your heart, and shape you in, in terms of being a vessel that is useful for the kingdom eternally. And that sort of eternal equipping will lead not to just giving people how-tos in ministry, but actually exposing them to the wonder and grandeur of God and the revelation of Scripture and the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords, it will help people to understand that what they're doing in missions has got to be actually part of the grander scope of God's mission. 
And God's mission is not merely a matter of how-tos and pragmatism, but it is rooted in his glory, and it is rooted in a trust and reliance upon him and his revelation to shape the way in which we view the world, we view culture, we view people, we view the church, so that it will, be a, it will have a rigorous Christology, a rigorous ecclesiology, a rigorous uh, redemptive historical understanding of scripture, a rigorous understanding of covenant, and a rigorous understanding that the task of missions is first and foremost Christ's task that we do as his under-shepherds and his servants in his kingdom.